0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State.
1: Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Well, we are finally over the hump and on the downside of the week, and I'm so glad you've chosen to join us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, covering everything from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Looking beyond cover crops at other, perhaps more achievable things that Texas high plains farmers can do for the sake of soil health. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: Protecting stored grains from profit robbing insects. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
2: This is
4: Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas comes through yet another cool down. The weather stays dry, great for harvesting, We'll have those stories and more in today's
1: report. We'll have those stories, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines.
5: Farmers in Texas produced more than 14.5 million hundredweight of rice in 2020, up 3.5 million hundredweight from 2019. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, yields averaged 8,100 hundredweight an acre. That's up 800 hundredweight from 2019's yields. Around 179,000 acres of rice were harvested in Texas last year. That's up 29,000 from the year before. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Randall County will host a pre-plant producer meeting online the morning of January 27th. The meeting is free, but participants must RSVP by 5 p.m. on January 25th to the Extension Office in Randall County. U.S. farmers have a few more weeks to change their Farm Bill Safety Net Coverage Program for the 2021 crop year. This is the first opportunity farmers have within the most recent Farm Bill to make an annual decision regarding the Agriculture Risk Coverage, ARC, or price-loss coverage, PLC, programs. Farmers have until March 15th to make a new election at their local Farm Service Agency offices. Those who do not make a new election will be defaulted to their selection from the 2019 and 2020 crop years. The Texas A&M University Agriculture and Food Policy Center has a decision aid to help farmers decide which program may best fit their operation. It can be found at afpc.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: The 2020-21 marketing year has been a great one for U.S. cotton.
6: Yeah, well, by the numbers, this is uh, you know, this is a top year uh, in terms of what we've sold at this time of the year. We're at levels that only a couple of other years have been like this.
1: That's Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson. He says it's been one of the best cotton export years in recent memory.
6: Here recently, the the most recent export sales report was over 20 countries, it was commercial buying, it was mills who were stepping into the market when prices set back, prices had gone up to 74-something, and then they set back to 72-something, and the mills chose to step in and buy there. So that kind of suggests where the level of demand is, it's in the lower 70s.
1: And that means that although prices are currently over 80 cents for old crop cotton, that level may not be sustainable.
6: That's another reason why I would say to farmers, okay, we got our production cut, but don't expect prices just go marching up and stay up there because there's, the demand is probably at a lower level. But but I think we're probably, the old crop futures are probably gonna spend most of the time between 70 and 75, I think, uh, going forward.
1: Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist, John Robinson. Corn exports also look great here in 2021. Corn export sales almost doubled week over week in the most recent USDA export sales report. They say corn sales to overseas buyers jumped 92% week to week to 1.44 million metric tons. That's up 34% over the prior four-week average. Japan was the biggest buyer at more than 401,000 metric tons. Even if cover crops won't fit in the Texas High Plains, there are other things farmers can do to improve soil health. James Hunt reports from Amarillo.
2: For farmers whose water limitations make cover crops impractical, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says don't give up on soil health improvement.
7: I sometimes think that we hear people talk about soil health, we hear the definition of soil health, and it can be very overwhelming. You know, it becomes, how can I financially jump in and do this? How can I adopt all of these practices at once? But I don't think producers should be discouraged from maybe just adopting certain principles of
2: soil health. For example, Dr. Bell says you can meet the objective of keeping your soil covered in between growing seasons by leaving crop residue in place after harvest.
7: It protects the soil. When we talk about erosion, having the residue there helps hold the soil down also helps keep the soil temperatures cooler reduces those evaporative losses in the summer so we can improve our crop water use efficiency
2: and when it comes to the soil health goal of growing as many species as possible adding more crops to your rotation can minimize disease threats and also insect pressure
7: we do have areas in the texas high plains where We've had continuous corn for years, and so we do have a corn rootworm problem. But by rotating to a non-corn crop or a non-grass crop, we see that we're able to reduce those populations in the soil.
2: And for the soil health principle of disturbing the soil as little as possible, Dr. Bell says conservation tillage fits right in. Soil health is a focus of ongoing agri-life research in the Texas High Plains and a topic we'll certainly revisit again. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Protecting stored grains from profit-robbing insects is an ongoing task on the farm. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. My guest
3: today is Richard Alford. He is director for sales of specialty products with Central Life Sciences based in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Richard, let's talk about post-harvest grain protectants and uh, what is available for farmers in Texas and across the country in regards to that time of the year.
8: Yeah, we have a line of products that uh, give the the grower, the farmer, the the grain elevator a lot of flexibility for controlling insects in their grain particularly rice, corn, wheat uh, are the primary crops that we uh, treat there in Texas. You've got weevil issues, the true weevil, which has got the the bill on him, the bug with the beak. And there we have a product that's an insecticidal product called Sentinel and a Synergist PBO, which work extremely well on that. Then for all the other insects, particularly the lesser grain, that's the one that takes away, makes all that dust when they're trying to unload the their grain from the bin and they see just these big flumes of dust. Well, that's their test weight. That's the actual grain that's going away and that has been eaten by the lesser grain board. There we use diacon. That's an insect growth regulator. And that doesn't really kill anything. It prevents the larvae or the, once the egg hatches from the insect from ever becoming an adult. So it breaks the life cycle of that and they just don't have anymore. So we're able to treat that grain as it's going into the bin, direct from the field, going into the bin, and prevent that damage from ever happening so that when they go to sell their grain, they've got well-conditioned, clean grain to go to the elevator.
3: Protection of stored grains is a tremendously large economic issue, as $2.5 billion in losses can occur to the grain industry per year if the situation is not addressed.
8: Absolutely. You know, years going gone past, and, and still, a lot of folks will just wait till they have the damage and then fumigate and fumigation is a wonderful thing to do that, that we need. I'm not, not saying no, but if we can eliminate the damage, you know, when you put the grain in the bin, it's like putting a hundred dollars in the bank. Do, do I want to pull hundred dollars out? Or do I want to just know that I only get 90 to $80 out? I'd rather get the hundred out. So for a minimal investment, cause you're going to have to do something anyway, from minimal investment, on protecting that grain from uh, insect damage. Understand what the insect is that's affecting you. And if you've got questions, just go to our website, www.bugfreegrains.com. And there, well, the local representative, the Texas representative, is listed there with a phone number and can reach out. And since none of our products are restricted-use pesticides, they're easily available. Specimen labels, just a plethora of information uh, when it comes to protecting grain.
3: That is Richard Alford with Central Life Sciences.
1: I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas has come through yet another cool down. Jim Hearn has more from the Rio Grande Valley.
4: The valley is coming out of another cool down. Temperatures in the ranch country did hit the mid-30s while other areas stayed generally near 40 we saw no snow. This system left a small amount of rainfall, generally less than a quarter inch valley wide. Well the citrus harvest is moving quickly and because of Hurricane Hannah that harvested about 30 percent of the valley citrus crop, prices have been outstanding because basically a lack of supply. 40 pound boxes of grapefruit are averaging about 22 dollars and that price seems to be holding. The sugarcane harvest is also moving along with little rain and no freezing temperatures. Harvesters are making excellent progress. Hard to believe, but in a little less than a month, planting of spring crops will be underway, corn, sorghum, and cotton. Producers are bedded up, they're fertilized, they're just waiting on soil temperatures to warm up just a little more. And because of the dry conditions, burn bans remain in effect for all of the South Texas counties. The low humidity from the cold fronts has increased the prospects of range fires. Luckily, so far, no major fires have been reported. If valley producers can make it to mid-February, the threat of a damaging freeze should be over. For now, though, we're just holding well. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley.
1: Wildlife continue to encroach on urban and suburban areas. More on that coming up in today's wildlife report. And toxoplasmosis can infect cats and people. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on
1: everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a disease called toxoplasmosis, and it can infect both
9: cats and people. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. You may have heard of an infection transmitted by cats that can infect pregnant women and cause severe disease in the human fetus. This parasite is toxoplasmosis. Dr. Scott Weiss indicates that cats usually become infected by hunting rodents, although the infection can be passed from mother to kittens while still in the uterus or even through the milk. After infection, cats will shed eggs of the parasite called oocyst in the feces, which will become infectious in one to five days. When a human or another animal ingests these oocysts, the parasites migrate to the central nervous system, muscles, and other organs. In most cases, there are no clinical signs, and cats that are infected shed the oocyst and are then resistant to future infection. However, it is possible these cats could shed oocyst any time in the future and could be a source of infection. The disease in people is a concern and usually only causes symptoms in pregnant women, immunocompromised individuals, the young and the very old. The only other humans that can develop symptoms are people that are immunologically naive and have never been around cats, and have never been exposed to the organism. Immunocompromised humans, or those with AIDS or other diseases, are those on immunosuppressive drugs with autoimmune diseases or transplant recipients. Toxoplasmosis was a major cause of human death during the AIDS epidemic until antiviral therapy was developed. The disease can certainly cause fatal death in humans. Risk of humans in these situations need to be addressed because the disease is so severe, although the risks are low. Join me next time for tips on preventing toxoplasmosis in humans. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Wildlife continue to encroach on urban and suburban areas. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look in today's wildlife report.
3: My guest today is horticulturist John Begno from San Angelo. And today we're going to talk about wildlife encroachment on landscapes and uh, human habitat, uh, specifically uh, wildlife uh, that we're talking about, are deer. And John, uh, what regions of the state of Texas is this most prevalent?
10: Well, it's expanding, it seems, and it's kind of exacerbated by dry conditions. When we have food sources that decline and it gets really dry and sometimes water sources, we see a migration effect of some of these white-tailed deer. And it is mainly white-tailed deer. And we're starting all the way from the Rio Grande Valley, all the way up through East Texas, areas of the Houston area, or even impacted by this all the way through East Texas. The parts of the hill country have always had deer encroaching because we built our homes in areas where they were here first, but the population has really expanded in a lot of these areas and gotten worse. And the places like far west Texas and the Panhandle, not so much affected.
3: So the issues with deer encroachment on uh, landscapes in suburban and urban areas of Texas, uh, what can people do to uh, reduce the damage?
10: Well, you know, we can reduce some of this encroachment by mechanical means and that usually involves fencing and sometimes that has to be very high fencing so it's not very nice to look at, especially if you're sitting on your back patio. And a lot of times that's not an option for people who have HOAs or homeowners associations and things like that. You could also try some of the repellents. We will have more on
3: wildlife encroachment on our next program from horticulturist John Begno. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market on Wednesday, but the cotton market continues to climb while the grain markets fell lower. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
6: Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck, and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Wednesday with live cattle closing mixed while feeder cattle closed mostly higher. Here's a rundown of how prices close on Wednesday February live cattle up 2 cents at 113.35, April down 47, 118.87, June down 57 cents. 11615 feeder cattle higher probably getting some support from a lower corn market January feeders up 90 cents 13530 March feeders up 72 at 13752 the April up a $1. dollar 2 14062 cash fed cattle market quiet on Wednesday no sales to report out in the country but we did have the online fed cattle exchange Wednesday morning We had 1,547 head offered; only 567 of those sold. Here in Texas, 268 heads sold on the online Fed Cattle Exchange. Those Texas cattle brought one ten and a half to one eleven on a live basis. Boxed beef prices higher: choice up 91 cents to 18.40, select up 50 cents at 206.94. Let's check the auction barns now. Brazos Valley Livestock Commission, Bryan, Texas, selling one thousand thirty-six head this week. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar seventy to two hundred five. Three to four weights, a dollar sixty-five to two dollars a pound. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty-six a pound. Five to six hundred pound steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-one. Six to seven weights, a dollar eighteen to a dollar And seven to eight-weight steers brought a dollar eighteen to a dollar twenty-three a pound. Slaughter cows thirty-seven to fifty-seven cents. Slaughter bulls sixty-five to eighty-seven. Stocker cows seven seventy-five to ten twenty-five a head. Cow-calf pairs eleven hundred to fifteen hundred a pair. East Texas livestock in Crockett sold one thousand eight hundred forty-nine head this week. Two to three-weight steers a dollar fifty-seven to two ten a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar forty one 41 to two hundred ten a pound. Four to five weights a dollar to a two, five to six hundred pounders a dollar to a dollar six. Six to seven weight steers a dollar eighteen to a dollar a pound. Slaughter cows forty to sixty three cents, slaughter bulls seventy seven to eighty nine. Stocker cows brought seven hundred forty to thirteen hundred a head. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs took a nice jump to the upside Wednesday. February up $1.95 at $68.42. April hogs up a 73 dollars Class 3 milk dropped lower. January milk down 4 cents at $1,618. February milk $1.32 lower, $17.16 a hundred weight. The cotton market continued to climb, overcoming pressure from a lower grain market. March cotton up 44 points, 81.59. May cotton up 43 at 82.50. And that new crop December continues to inch toward 80 cents. It was up another 26 points, closing at 77.95. As we mentioned, the grain markets lower across the board throughout the day on Wednesday. A lot of that pressure coming from good weather in South America, Brazil and Argentina getting great weather this past weekend, a lot of rain in the forecast coming up as well, so good growing conditions down there tend to put some pressure on our markets from time to time, and that seems to be what happened on Wednesday. The wheat market lower, feeling the pressure from those lower grains. However, we still have a lot of good, positive, fundamental factors to trade in this wheat market. We're looking at less available wheat in Russia, stronger than normal demand from China, and continued concerns about dry weather here in the U.S. Nonetheless, we did close lower with July Kansas City wheat down 7, 6.39 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 7 and three quarters, 6.50 and a half. March corn down 4 cents at 5.22. September corn down 6, 4.71 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas was unchanged at 254. March crude oil up 17 cents, 53.15 a barrel. The financial markets higher: the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 298 points, 31,228; the Nasdaq up 286, 13,484; the S&P 500 up 60 at 3,859. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website,